This morning our scripture is from Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he, after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And they began to speak, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely, against, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God for the people of God, for which we say, So as I said earlier, this morning we kick off our Be the Change sermon series. And I want you to be aware of the text that we're going to be looking over over the next few weeks in this series. And in fact, I'd like for you, you were invited to do a little uh, extracurricular reading to prep for what's happening in the next few weeks. For the next three weeks, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, um, where Jesus sits down and begins to preach the Sermon on the Mount. But really, you can't read Matthew chapter 5 without also reading chapters 6 and 7 because Matthew 5 to 7 contains some of the most radical teachings of Jesus. Now, when you and I think about the Sermon on the Mount, especially the Beatitudes, the verses from 1 to 12 we'll be looking at today, we don't often think of them as being radical teachings. Instead, we think of them as cross-stitch patterns, right? Right? Like you do the Beatitudes, you can, you can cross-stitch the Beatitudes and then hang them on the wall in the kitchen. And, and wow, isn't that lovely? Blessed are the poor in spirit. When we do that, when we reduce the teachings of Jesus to short sayings that we can hang in the kitchen or on the fridge or set up on a, mountain, uh, on a mantle, we miss out on the radical nature of what Jesus has to share in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew as a whole is a call to radical discipleship in Jesus Christ. And so as you read chapters 5 to 7, I hope you find yourself uncomfortable because anytime we move closer in proximity to Jesus, we find ourselves becoming a little uncomfortable because Jesus has something to say about the conditions of our heart. Jesus has something to say about our outlook on the world. The Sermon on the Mount is more than just pastoral words from a wandering rabbi. The Sermon on the Mount is a radical call to reorient your life around Jesus and transforming the world in His name. The Sermon on the Mount is a call to be the change. 
But for today, we are in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. So if you have your Bible with you or you have your smartphone, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. And while you're doing that, let me catch you up on what's happening in Matthew's gospel. In chapter 3 of the gospel of Matthew, that chapter ends with the baptism of Jesus. You remember this holy moment, don't you? When the heavens are rent asunder, as the King James says, and the voice of God speaks and says, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then you move into Matthew 4. Immediately after Jesus is baptized, he is ushered into the wilderness where he spends 40 days and 40 nights being, fast, being tempted as he fasts and prays. We'll talk about that moment in just a few weeks. But at the end of that 40 days of fasting and temptation, Jesus, he emerges from the wilderness and begins his public ministry. Jesus begins to preach a short yet challenging message. Do you know what it is? Jesus comes on the scene in Matthew chapter 4, preaching repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let me... Uh, <clears throat> Let me work on that for just a second here. He doesn't come and say, repent, friends. Jesus comes on the scene saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, when we think of repentance, oftentimes we think of feeling guilty or feeling bad for the way that we've lived our lives, for our backstory and the baggage that we carry. But repentance is really about change. It's about a reorientation of our life and our perspectives away from the brokenness, away from the past, away from our biases, back toward Jesus Christ and toward his kingdom. Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change for the kingdom of God is at hand. Have your life transformed for the kingdom of God is at hand. You can't just put that on the wall of the kitchen, friends. Those words don't just need to be cross-stitched and hung up. They need to be sewn into the very fabric of our hearts that we are in a continual process of having our lives changed and transformed because the kingdom of God has drawn near in Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4 closes with Jesus in Galilee calling His disciples. And then he begins to heal, and large crowds begin to follow him. And then we move right into Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, these crowds that had come out to hear his radical preaching, these crowds that had come to see the healings that he was doing, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and, they be and he began to teach them. Now, the question you have to ask is, well, who exactly is them? You think it's just the disciples? Do you think it's the crowd? You can imagine in your mind, can't you, Jesus standing on a level place and then sitting down, seeing the disciples draw near to him and have a seat themselves. You can see in his eyes the way that he, he looks deeply into each of his disciples' eyes. But as he speaks, he speaks loud enough that the crowds get a chance to listen in on the conversation. This moment, if you read it in Matthew chapter 5, feels like a moment suspended in time as Jesus looks at his disciples and looks out over the crowds. He said to all of them, blessed 
are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus begins to speak, and the content of his teaching here is about what it means to be blessed. Jesus calls his disciples over from the crowd to give them a real working definition of what it means to be blessed and what God expects of those who have been blessed. Because our world already has a definition of what it means to be hashtag blessed, am I right? And Jesus' definition is far different from that which you find on Facebook or on Instagram or even etched into the side of a Ray Dunn mug. Help me out, tech team. There you go. Blessed. I love that I can walk down the aisles of Hobby Lobby and at home. And TJ Maxx and Marshalls and see just how blessed we are that we all can buy a $24 mug to sip an $18 latte, right? (laughs) You know, if you search online, you can find lots of stuff with the word blessed written on it. Stuff to hang on the wall, stuff to put in your cabinets, on your pantry. You can get vinyl wall art that just says hashtag blessed. But something tells me that Ray Dunn and Jesus' definitions of what it means to be blessed are a little different. But that's to be expected, expected, isn't it? Because Jesus' way of living, Jesus' way of being blessed and blessing, blessing others stands over and against the world's understanding. After all, Jesus does not say in the Beatitudes, blessed are the rich or blessed are the powerful or blessed are the well-fed and well-dressed and well-educated. No, Jesus says blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the grief-stricken and those who long for righteousness. Those folks don't sound very hashtag blessed to me. And my hunch is that the people who were gathered in that day, the disciples and the larger crowd who were listening in on Jesus' teaching, were people who didn't feel very blessed, at least in the way the world thought of being blessed. And they might have been wondering how we often wonder about how they fit into this kingdom that Jesus came proclaiming. I mean, Jesus, how do I fit into your kingdom when I have so little? How do I fit into your kingdom, Jesus, when I am overcome by grief and sadness and pain and loss? Jesus, how do I fit in your kingdom when I long for righteousness, but I haven't yet seen the fruit of righteousness in my life? Jesus, how do I fit in? Is there a place for me? So Jesus first speaks to those who might wonder whether they belong, whether they measure up, 
or if they would ruin Jesus' image with their neediness? And Jesus' emphatic answer to them is yes. From the very beginning, yes, you belong. In fact, Jesus says to the poor in spirit, the kingdom is yours. Is yours, not will be someday or could possibly be in the future. No, Jesus says the kingdom of God is yours in the present tense. Here and now the kingdom of heaven is yours. This morning, you might be asking yourself, do I belong? Do I fit in with Jesus and his kingdom? Do I fit in here? And you might not be sure because of your own baggage or your own backstory or your own brokenness. But friends, the answer from Jesus is yes. Yes, you belong to this kingdom. Yes, you are welcome in this place. There's a place for you, and it's not off in the corner somewhere. It's right here at the table of God's grace. Your place is right here in this community of faith. Yes, you belong. And part of that sense of belonging that Jesus gives to those who find themselves in need is taking what is negative and planting within them something that is secure and steadfast. And that's hope and deep inner joy. Hope and deep inner joy. When we pay attention to what Jesus says here, we can say to ourselves and the people around us, you know what? We might be poor in spirit. And when we look around at the state of the world, we probably are poor in spirit. But you know what? The kingdom of heaven is ours. The kingdom of heaven is ours. Yes, we are mourning, but our God will comfort us. He will not leave us as orphans or estranged. He is coming back for us. Yes, we are meek in a world built on getting ahead and working a hustle, but God is giving us the world. And yes, we might know the pain of seeing our efforts to do what is right in our own lives and around us hit dead end after dead end after dead end, but Jesus' righteousness will fill us. Will fill us. The first four Beatitudes found in verses 3 to 6 give us hope and remind us that there is more than one thing that's true about us at any given moment. That in any situation, there's not just one thing that's true about who we are. Verses 3 to 6 are, are a reminder that we can cling to and build our lives upon the deep hope planted in us by the Holy Spirit. That we can live abundantly and in the kingdom of God in the midst of the struggles and difficulties we face in this world. Then after speaking about those who feel empty and who feel like they may not belong, Jesus speaks to those who are full. Now you might be tempted again to think that these are two different groups of people that Jesus was talking to. Like at one point he was just looking at the sad disciple who was crying and says, blessed are those who mourn. But Jesus is speaking to the whole crowd. He speaks to those who are mourning and he speaks to those who are celebrating. And he says, you are not two distinct groups. Because listen, even when we are in need, even when we are broken by life in this world, 
When we're sitting there asking ourselves whether or not we belong, we have something to offer. We can still be the change. So just like the first set of Beatitudes in verses 3 to 6, verses 7 to 12, there are general descriptions of life in God's kingdom. John Stott actually calls them the responsibilities of citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And they are showing mercy, having a pure heart, being peacemakers and enduring persecution for doing what is right. Each of those stands as a high calling for each of us. They are inescapable friends. They are high callings for us all. But these are connected. Verses 3 to 6 and 7 to 12. At least that's what Chelsea Harmon says. She says the poor in spirit have the kingdom of heaven. And as much have all that they need to be merciful towards others. Do you see the connection? Those who mourn look to future comfort from God and are able to strive towards a pure heart turn towards God. The meek to whom the earth belongs preserve the earth by being true peacemakers and show that they are children of God who follow in Jesus' very own footsteps. Those who hunger and thirst for what is right, they will be filled even though they are persecuted for it. Because they, like the poor in spirit, already have the kingdom of heaven. I think that's the secret, isn't it? Knowing what is already yours, even when you look at your life and circumstances and they seem to communicate a different truth. That's called hope. Jesus isn't preaching that we're wrong when we name our sufferings and challenges in life. He isn't telling us not to mourn or saying that it's bad to be meek. No, Jesus is telling us to go look for these, nor is Jesus telling us to go look for these sorts of troubles in order to be able to claim sort of some sort of extra blessing. Jesus' first sermon, his first teaching, begins with yes and. Yes to all of what you're experiencing. Grief, mourning, pain, unfulfilled expectations. And think of what else is true. There is reason to rejoice because you belong to a long line of people who are sent out into the world in Jesus' name to usher in God's kingdom. All of these beatitudes name truth, both the external truth of life's circumstances and the eternal truth that we can hold on to internally. The kingdom of heaven, friends, is already ours. There is no earning it, just living into it. The gift of the kingdom is not a guarantee of a hashtag blessed life, like we see plastered all over the internet and Hobby Lobby. Instead, it's a choice. A choice to show up knowing that we are the very ones, broken and sometimes beat down, who were chosen to experience and share the power and presence of God with the world. It's us. And friends, it's this posture that helps us be the change that we want to see in the world. When we realize that we are welcomed and accepted, we can welcome and accept others. When we realize that we are truly blessed, then we can bless others. 
when we know that we will be comforted in the midst of our mourning, we can be the ones who go and comfort others. When we know that we will be filled by righteousness, then we can invite others to experience the life and love that we know through Jesus Christ. We can share mercy, purity, peace, and hope with a world that is in desperate need. Friends, we can be the change that we want to see in the world. We can be the change that God wants to see in the world. And it begins with understanding that you are welcomed here and that there's a place for you at the table and that your unique gifts and graces are just what Jesus needs to bring his kingdom to bear on this city, on this community, and in this world. It only takes a change in perspective. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, forgive us for the times that we've falling, fallen into the trap of trying to be blessed by the world's standards. Forgive us for being unwilling to repent and to change our ways. Forgive us for the times when we refuse to be transformed by your grace and instead have languished in our brokenness and pain. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling us out of old ways of thinking and being. Thank you for calling us into new patterns of life and hope that bring life and share life with those around us. Thank you, Lord, for putting in us a hunger and thirst for righteousness, God, that your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God, for the thirst for justice so that all people might be created and treated equally. Thank you, Lord, for putting within us the desire for holiness, that our lives might be conformed to your life. Lord Jesus, today, help us to be the change. Help us to be the difference makers in this world. Help us to accept others because we have been accepted by you. And help us to share the grace, hope, peace, and joy that we know with a world who's searching desperately for those very things. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen.